0: Uh, signed up already, or, or talked to someone about being baptized next week, but you, but you want to, to be baptized, you can come to that meeting and I will meet with you as well, uh, maybe a couple of minutes after we go over the details of the week and, uh, and get your story. Okay? Now, one other thing. You know that announcement we just saw that said uh, that the spots for the Christmas tea would move quickly? That train has left the station. Uh, sold out, right? Yes. Sold out. So, sorry. I if you... Waiting list. waiting list. How about that? Oh, well. Who knew? Well, we all knew. <laughs> all right. I want you to turn with me today to Psalm 25. We're going to begin at verse 16. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Lord, I pray uh, that you would speak to us uh, this morning. We, We pray that your voice would be heard today. Lord, I believe that there are things that you want to say uh, to each and every person in this room. And and I pray that we would have ears to hear uh, what you're saying. I I pray, God, that your words would penetrate our hearts. I pray that any walls that we have raised up around us to, to protect us or, or to keep you or anyone else out. I pray, God, that you would uh, be able to penetrate today those walls uh, and that your word, your living word, would take root in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So we read this psalm, uh, and, and the psalmist is saying, God help me. I'm alone. I'm lonely, and I'm hurting. And that's you know that's not when we open up the scripture. We don't necessarily always want to turn to the pages that read like that. You know, we'd rather read verses like "In Your presence is fullness of joy." I mean, that's a little bit better, right? But all of us at times in our life encounter and deal with. Uh, what we would call loneliness. Uh, Loneliness doesn't come from being alone. Loneliness comes from feeling alone. Uh, You can be surrounded by hundreds, even thousands of people and and still still feel alone or or think that you're alone. Uh, Loneliness causes people to feel empty, It causes people to feel alone. It causes people to feel unwanted. Divorce, death of a loved one, uh, moving to a new place, all of these things, all of these events in life can contribute to what we call loneliness. I don't know if you know this, but lonely adults consume more alcohol and exercise less than people who are not. Lonely, And that's, that's a pretty troublesome combination. One thing that psychologists say helps to combat loneliness is having close friends. And yet since 1985, statistics tell us that those in America who would identify themselves as having no close friends, that number has tripled since 19. 85 so how do you how do you deal with loneliness and I want today to talk about that for a little bit I want to use a story from scripture that's it's one of the classics it's it's one of our favorite stories favorite one uh, to preach on favorite one to point to favorite one to think about but today I want to look at it maybe from a little bit different uh, perspective story is the story of Elijah a story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. You know, we love the story when he challenges the prophets to come to Mount Carmel and we're going to have this big standoff and it's, it's Elijah versus 452 prophets of Baal. It's a, it's a crazy thing. Uh, I, the story starts, there's this famine in the land. Uh, this famine's been going on for years and all through this famine and even before, uh, Ahab has wanted to kill Elijah. He's actually sent people out you know, go find Elijah and bring him to me. Go find Elijah. Tell me where he is so I can send, you know, a, a hitman after him to take him out. And so, you know, Elijah's been going here and there and just staying out of reach of Ahab. And then in this story, in, in uh, Kings 18 and 19, we find Elijah is actually turned and he is headed towards Ahab. Now, my family makes fun of me because I think that there's only really one movie worth watching over and over and over again. And it's Tombstone. I know that, you know, a, you know, a pastor, my favorite movie is supposed to be something like On Golden Pond or Sound of Music. I, I don't But my favorite movie is Tombstone. And if you haven't seen Tombstone with Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday, as my brother would say, you ain't seen nothing. And so you just need to go see that, okay? Now, I will warn you, people get killed. People get killed. Uh, But mostly towards the end, it's the bad guys. And that's why I love it. But there's a scene in that movie where Doc Holliday, I mean where uh, Wyatt Earp says to Ike Clanton, who is just the ultimate bad guy, Wyatt Earp says to Ike Clanton, tell him I'm coming. And then he says something after that that my wife won't let me repeat. But he says, tell him I'm coming. All right? and we'll say it this way, and Hades is coming with me. All right, that's what what Wyatt Earp says, and that's kind of the the persona of Elijah as he approaches Ahab. He's going after him, and he meets up with another prophet named Obadiah, and he says to Obadiah, go tell your boss. Because Obadiah is a man who loves the Lord, has worshiped the Lord, has not compromised, has been faithful to God, but he serves the king. And so he is actually helping Ahab as they look for a place. They're actually looking for grass. They're not even looking for water. They're just looking for grass. If we could just find a little bit of grass, maybe some of the livestock can survive this famine. And so they've split up. And Ahab's gone one way and Obadiah's gone the other and they're looking for grass and then Obadiah encounters Elijah and Elijah says, go tell your boss I'm coming. Does it get better than that? I mean, a man of God who's walking into evil, walking up against evil and he just says, I can just see him, hands on his hips and he says to Obadiah, go tell your boss I'm coming. Go tell your boss I'm on my way. Well, Obadiah freaks out. He freaks out because he says, you know, I know how you are, Elijah. I know how you are. You just go wherever the Spirit tells you to go, and I'm going to go tell Ahab that you're coming, and then the Spirit's going to take you over here or over there, and you're not going to show up, and Ahab's going to kill me because I've promised him that you're coming, and you're just not going to show. And Elijah says, oh, I'm coming. I promise you, make no mistake. You tell your guy. You go tell your king that I'm on my way and I, I will be there. And so Obadiah goes back. He tells Ahab, the king, you know, Elijah's coming. And sure enough, Elijah shows up. And Elijah tells Ahab, get your guys together. Now, he says an interesting thing to Ahab. He says, I'm the only one. I'm the only one left. I'm the only prophet of God. Well, what does that say about Obadiah? I'm the only one. But I'm ready. So bring it on. So Ahab brings his guys, and you know the story. They meet on the mount, and and Elijah says, you know, y'all go first. We'll we'll pray. You all pray to your gods, I'll pray to mine. And Whosoever God sends fire, we'll, we'll just name them the real God. And they say, that sounds like a great deal. And they go after it. And so the prophets of Baal are first and they're jumping around and they're dancing and they're cutting themselves and they're doing all sorts of crazy things. And, you know, Elijah's saying, this isn't working. Nothing's happening. Your God's not answering. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe, maybe your gods are asleep. So maybe you should yell louder. And so they yell louder and they get louder and louder and, and it goes on and on and nothing happens. And finally, they're just exhausted and, and they give up. And it's Elijah's turn. And Elijah says, okay, I know it's my turn, but before I take my turn, let's do this. You know, we've set this altar up and, you know, for, our, for whoever has the, the best God or whoever has the only God to send their fire, fire down to burn up what's on the altar. But before, before I pray, let's do this. You want, how about bring some water? Bring some water in here and, and pour it on the altar and, and make sure that it's, you know, it's good and wet. And so they pour the water on. And he says, that's, that's really not enough water. Go get some more water. They bring some more water and pour some more water. Pour some more water, I mean, some more water. And they just, it's just drenched. It's soaking wet. There's no way this is going to burn. And then, of course, Elijah prays. Fire of God falls, sucks up the water burns up the sacrifice, and everybody goes nuts and says, okay, your God is obviously better than our God. In fact, your God is the one true God. And they dispose of the prophets of Baal. And, uh, and then an interesting thing happens. Elijah runs away. He runs away. He runs away and he goes somewhere and he sits down. And he's depressed. I was telling Brad Willoughby, we were talking about this, and I said, you know, it just makes no sense. He's going to go toe-to-toe with Ahab. But the minute he hears that Jezebel, the woman is after him, he gets afraid and runs. And Brad Brad says, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) He's not afraid of the king, but he is so afraid of the queen. And he just runs and he he hides. And the Lord comes to him and and the Lord says, what are you doing? And you you know what Elijah says? I'm all alone. I'm the only one. And the Lord shows up. The Lord shows, tells him, you stay here and you watch what I'm going to do. And, and the Lord again reveals himself. And Elijah's still there. The Lord comes back a second time and says, what, what are you doing? Why are you, what are you doing here? And you know what Elijah says? I'm all alone. I'm all alone. Three times in this story, Elijah says, I'm all alone. When in actuality, he had 7,000 Facebook friends. (laughs) The Lord reveals to him kind of in a subtle way that there are actually 7,000 who have remained faithful. So let's talk a little bit about dealing with loneliness number 1 this is the first thing i would say if you in dealing with loneliness the first thing that we need to recognize is that we're not now i understand that the difference between actually being alone and feeling alone is minimal paper thin there's really actually no difference If you feel alone, that's enough, isn't it? It's enough to make you hurt. But the thing that we have to realize is that no matter how lonely you are or no matter how lonely you may feel, no matter how lonely you may think you are, in actuality, you're not alone. And the reason that I know that you're not alone is because the Word of God promises that you're not. I will stake my life, everything I have, everything I believe on the truth of God's word. It doesn't change. It doesn't waver. It's always consistently true. And the word of God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It actually goes so far as to say, you can get up and run, and you can't get away from me. You can try your darndest to be alone, and you still won't be alone. Because I will pursue you. I will come after you. The first thing that we have to know in dealing with loneliness, no matter how real it may feel, no matter how real it may seem, the first thing we have to do is to take a step back and acknowledge and recognize that according to God's word, you're not alone. God is with you. No matter what you're going through, no matter how many or how few people are with you or absent from you, no matter how temporary or permanent the separation is, you're not alone because God himself is with you. He has promised that he will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. The second thing I would say about loneliness is learn to use it to your advantage. What? Yeah. Learn to use it to your advantage. Now, I, I have said from, from this stage, and, and sort of in a tongue in cheek, joking way, uh, that, that I'm an introvert. And some of you have taken it upon yourselves <laughs> to heal me. <laughs> and I, I get that, I do. But here's what you need to understand about my introvertedness. It doesn't mean I don't like people. I love people. I really do. I love people. I love being with people. I love hanging out with friends. I love hanging out with family and just, you know, like Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for me was perfect because we had all of our family from breakfast until bedtime and we, we just had an incredible day together. Uh, that's, that's not what I mean. When I say I'm an introvert, I don't mean that I hate people, that I avoid people, that I'm gonna run you know, away from you if you want to talk to me. I would love to talk to you, love to. Here's, here's what my introvertedness Means It means that you really don't want me to talk to you unless I've had my time alone. Now, I don't mean alone. I mean my time alone. My alone time is the time that I spend with him. Trust me, you don't want me to be anything other than the type of introvert that I am because the type of introvert that I am is the type that is energized who, is, who receives the most life for the journey by being alone with the Father in an intimate relationship. That is my lifeblood. I love being with my wife. I love hanging out with her. I, there are a few things in life that I enjoy more than her company. But she also knows that unless I've had my time with the father, my time with her is not going to be the best that it can be. And so when I say I'm an introvert, what I'm saying is my life is fueled. I am energized by being alone with the father. Some of you are energized by being in a group. And it's your energy that you gain and the life that you gain by being in a group is the fuel that you use to then go and be with the Father. And that's just the way it is. People are, are wired differently. And it's, there's not a right or a wrong, just different. But trust me, what you want for me, you want me in that secret place. Jesus withdrew to the secret place to be with his Father. If you, if you think that Jesus never felt alone, I would just encourage you to go back and read his story again. One time he looks at his disciples and he says, everybody's left, are you, you going to leave too? That sounds like a man who's feeling a little bit rejected. Everybody's left, what about you? you going to leave also? Even more so, on the cross, Jesus even seems to feel that he's been left by his father. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was a deep passion and a hurt in his heart as he died for us. He was willing to endure this loneliness for our benefit. Scripture says that he was despised and rejected. Some of you know what that feels like. Some of you feel that. You felt that. You may be walking in that even right now, and it feels so lonely, and it, it hurts deeply. And I would say, take that hurt and use it to your advantage by going into the secret place with the Father. Whenever you feel that hurt, run to him, not away from him. Use loneliness to your advantage by having it serve as a motivator for you to go deep with your Father, to go into that secret place. The third thing I would say in dealing with loneliness is look around. As you go into the Father's presence and you spend time with him and you increase in intimacy with him, ask the Lord to open your eyes to see what's real and what's not. Don't be fooled by your feelings. Elijah was fooled by his feelings. He really believed that he was the only one. He believed it so much that he said it three times. And it wasn't true. It wasn't true. If he had stopped even long enough to just look right in front of his face, Obadiah was there, a man that the word of God says had never compromised his worship of the Lord. He wouldn't have been alone even if there was just one. But the Lord goes on to say that there were 7,000 others who had remained faithful. Don't be fooled by your feelings. Take a step back, look around, ask the Lord to open your eyes to what's real. Elijah lived about 150 years after David. And so the psalm that we read earlier, where David is saying, I'm all alone, there's a chance that that was a prayer that Elijah prayed. You know, the, the people of old, they, they prayed the psalms. We've talked about before the fact that, that everything that Jesus says from the cross is written in the psalms. Jesus says he's hanging on the cross, is praying the Psalms. And the question that we've asked before is was Jesus praying David's prayers or was David writing Jesus' prayers? You know, who knows? But but the fact is, here's Elijah, who is battling with loneliness. He's read the Psalms. He knows the Psalms. He's prayed the psalms and there's a chance that he has prayed the very psalm that we read this morning that says turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Does that sound like where Elijah's living? It is. But if he had just taken a step back and said, Lord, show me the truth. Show me what's real. He would have seen That he was surrounded. He wasn't all alone. There there were others. Uh, Psalm 68.6 says that God takes the lonely and he places them in families. God takes the lonely and he places them in families. You may feel alone. I promise you you're not. God is with you. And God's desire for you is that it would be more than just you and him. God's desire for you is to call you into family, the family of God. If you're here today if, if, if Riverstone is your your church home you need to know that God's invitation to you is more than just coming on Sunday and worshiping for a bit and hearing a message and then slipping out and going home. He wants you to be a part of a family. He wants you to connect in community. Look around. Don't be fooled by your, by your feelings. Ask God to show you the truth about what is available to you in relationship. And that brings me to the fourth point. My fourth point is this take initiative. Take initiative. You know what the worst part for me about the Elijah story is? He sat down. He sat down. I would say that all of us will encounter seasons of loneliness. We will. Keep walking. Keep walking. The last thing you want to do in a season of loneliness is sit down. When you choose to sit in it, it will overcome you. Keep moving. Don't sit down in your loneliness. Reach out. Reach out. Be brave. Take initiative. Be brave. Is it scary? Uh, yeah, it is. Is there a chance that you may be rejected even in your loneliness? Yeah, there's a chance. Is it worth the risk? Yes. It is absolutely worth the risk. And as you continue to move through that season, remember this, God is with you. God is for you. And he is relentless. God is with you. God is for you. He is relentless. He will not quit. He will not leave you in your loneliness. Even if you choose to sit down, he will pick you up and he will carry you out because his desire for you is life at its highest level. Now let's pray. pray I pray right now for, for the people in this room who, who who do feel alone and I pray first of all just that you would break shame off of them I pray that you would break fear off of them and I pray God that you would give them a supernatural bravery today to step forward not to shrink back, but to to take a step forward that would allow you to meet them in that place of hurt and begin the process of of bringing them out into that place of fullness and that place of joy that you have for them. But we know that you're able to do that. And so we pray right now in Jesus' name. Release your spirit in this room to give boldness to your children, especially those who are afraid. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask our teams to come and get in place. I'm going to ask my wife to hand me my phone just for a second. It's in my shoe. (laughs) Thank you. I want to read to you a prayer. This is from the Book of Common Prayer. prayer for those who live alone. Almighty God, whose son had nowhere to lay his head, grant that those who live alone may not be lonely in their solitude, but that following in his steps, they may find fulfillment in loving you and their neighbors through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, I pray for your people, for your children today. Those who are experiencing loneliness right now, those who find it a chronic state and that they long to get out of, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would break those chains today and that people would know just how close you are And that our eyes would be open to what's available in your family. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you to stand. We're going to worship for a bit. Uh, We have teams that are ready to pray for you, encourage you to come for prayer today. Especially if this is an issue that that you wrestle with. Uh, but But also if there are other things going on. I encourage you to come. We would love to pray for you, and we'll stay here as long as we need to uh, to pray for all of those who want or need prayer. I'm going to read this uh, testimony that was just handed to me. There will be complete healing and breakthrough for the release of the captives. Thank you for this word. For three years, loneliness has consumed me. Week after week, I came to the altar for loneliness to stop. Last month, I had complete breakthrough. The grief, the pain, and the lies fell off. Freedom is not only possible, it is available. Intimacy with God destroys loneliness. Lord, I pray that you would plant this word in our hearts and that it would bear fruit there. In Jesus' name. We'll continue to pray for people for as long as there are people that that want prayer. And um, I want to pray a prayer of blessing uh, for the rest of you, Lord, I pray as we leave here today that we would know that we're never alone. We are never alone. You are always with us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. There's nowhere we can go to escape your presence. Open our eyes to what you're doing around us. Open our ears to your voice. Open our hearts, Lord to your pleasure and your desires. Draw us deeper, God, into a deeper place of intimacy with you. We love you. We trust you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.